Our gospel reading this morning is from the first chapter of Mark. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place. And there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The word of the Lord. Logan had the curiosity that everybody has from time to time. I thought lint was the stuff that came out of the dryer. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I, I guess I need to watch my pronunciation a little bit more. Listen to my pronunciation. How do you watch pronunciation? Anyway, beloved people of God, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning, we're coming to the end of our series, This Is Us, Messy Faith in the Light of Jesus. And we've been, during this series, This Is Us, we've been paying attention not only to Hollywood scripts in which we see our lives and our stories reflected, but more importantly, we've been paying attention to the Holy Scriptures and to, way, to the ways that in them we see our own lives in the light of Jesus. One of the storylines in This Is Us is the relationship between Randall and his birth father, William, and the story of William's illness. Each of us can see ourselves reflected in that because every one of us has someone we love facing illness. Perhaps you saw in the paper yesterday the, the story about influenza. Perhaps you no, noticed that, uh, that Arliss looks a little different at the piano today instead of at the organ. As Arliss is, is under the weather and as we're uh, shaking hands and greeting one another and making sure that we're not sharing too much with one another. It's not just in the news now, but it was part of reality in the Holy Scriptures. Maybe you noticed, as soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John, and Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. With a fever. 
This morning, I simply want to walk through this scene from the Holy Scriptures so that we can pay attention to some of the details and see how they connect with our lives. As soon as they left the synagogue, who's the they? As soon as they left the synagogue, if you would zoom back a little bit and you'd remember earlier in Mark's gospel, Mark tells about Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee and seeing some fishermen and saying to them, follow me. And then he sees another pair of fishermen and he says to them, follow me. And Mark tells us, immediately they left their nets and they followed. And as you follow Jesus from there, you find that he goes to the synagogue. And Pastor Kevin preached last week on Jesus at the synagogue and how even in that faith community gathered together were people whose lives were kind of messy and how Jesus intervenes with that man there in the synagogue. And now Mark tells us, as soon as they left the synagogue, these fishermen who left everything to follow Jesus, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now, does that make you scratch your head a little bit? They left everything and followed, and then they went home. Did you ever notice that before? I'm struck by that because... Many times I think people hear about the fishermen leaving everything to follow and they think, you know, I hear Jesus call in my life, but I've got a family, I've got house payments, there's no way I could leave everything and follow Jesus. And here, Simon and Andrew, James and John, they follow and they go home. Interesting, isn't it? Now Simon's mother-in-law, got to pause there for a second, I love my wife's mother. I do. But you can't resist the joke that if you were going to leave everything and follow, don't you think one of the first things you want to want to leave behind is your mother-in-law? Right? <laughs> but no, they, they're still in the midst. Even in following Jesus, they have in-laws. They have in-laws whose lives are messy. Not that any of you who are married and have in-laws would marry into messy lives. No, that never happens, does it? And there she is in bed with a fever. Back then, people knew that fevers could be the beginning of the end. And so it was a, it was a tough situation for her, the mother-in-law, in bed with a fever. And they told him, these following fishermen told Jesus about her at once. At once. As I was reading this and reflecting on it and studying this passage this week, it struck me how this is similar to what we do. When we have somebody that we know and we care about who's in a tough situation and we talk to God about them, we say, hey, God, my grandson is struggling with some serious health stuff, God. Jesus, would you have mercy on him? Would you help him? The fancy term for that is intercessory prayer. As soon as these following fishermen enter the house and Simon's mother-in-law is sick, they tell Jesus. And he came to her. And he took her by the hand, 
Pastor Raya talked about how we may not want to shake hands this morning because we know that viruses and bacteria and germs can be passed by hand-to-hand contact in many other ways. Back in biblical times, in Jesus' day, they didn't know about influenza, but they did have the sense that touch could be dangerous. And yet Jesus, over and over again, even with that risk that touch can be dangerous, Jesus, over and over again, reaches out to touch people. Because Jesus also knows that touch can be healing. Touch can be troublesome, and yet touch can also be healing. And so he came, and he took her by the hand, and he raised her up. Some of you are fact-checking me there, aren't you? And you're looking at the screen and you're saying, it does not say he raised her up. In the Greek, it does. <laughs> the word that gets translated lifted here is the same word, the same verb that gets used at the end of the Gospel of Mark when Jesus is raised up. Time and time again in the Gospel of Mark, you'll see Jesus reaching out and raising people up. It's as though it's a foreshadowing of the resurrection. So here this mother-in-law, this unnamed woman who's in bed with a fever, death is knocking on her door, and Jesus reaches out and risks touching her, and he raises her up. Then the fever left her. The fever left her. And she began to serve them. Began to serve them. And that too is an incredibly powerful phrase. She began to serve them. The word that gets translated serve is the root word diakonia. We get our English word deacon from it. Deacon is a, gets used in church circles to talk about about particular group of ministers. In fact, we have a a formal deacon here among us, Deacon Chris Woolman. That's her official title. Deacons are, in the ELCA, are, are ministers of word and service. They serve with their various gifts. And that's what this woman does. She's raised to new life, and she serves And in this, too, she embodies what Jesus is about. Mark tells us that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. It's that same root word for what this woman is doing. That's Jesus' mission, to serve. And that idea of serving is so important. In fact, it's it's central to what the church is about, serving. In Ephesians, we're told that that God gave many gifts to the leaders in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And their role is to equip the saints, that is, all the holy ones, for the work of ministry, for the work of serving. I was in the kitchen earlier this morning, and I thanked the folks who were getting ready to serve the coffee and treats. 
And one of the people responded something to the effect, there's no place I'd rather be (laughs) than serving. This is somebody who gets what it is to be raised to new life and to serve. This is us. As I mentioned, we're coming to the end of the series. And so I kind of want to just review a little bit and wrap things up for us. Last week, Pastor Kevin lift up, lifted up how Jesus in the synagogue had authority. Authority. And he helped us to see that at the root of that word authority is author. That Jesus is the author of life. And he invited us to see how Jesus is the author of our lives. How Jesus helps us to rewrite our life story. And with that in mind, I'd like to invite you to think about this scripture that we looked at this morning, this scene from Mark's gospel, and how it helps us to see our lives, our stories being rewritten as we respond to that invitation, follow me, follow me. Following Jesus involves the rhythms of gathering to worship and being at home with family and friends. Do you notice the people who followed Jesus, they went and gathered for worship. And then they went home with family and friends. And that rhythm back and forth between gathering and at home, that's where our faith is lived out, in that rhythm. In this scene, in the synagogue, when they leave the synagogue, they go home and they see the mother-in-law. That means if she was in bed with a fever, she wasn't at the synagogue. Part of following Jesus means noticing when people are not at the gathering. Look around. There's two empty pews here today. Right? Who do you look around and you don't see this morning? Who do you notice isn't here? Part of following Jesus is noticing that and then reaching out to them with a phone call or checking in with them to see what's going on with them, to care for them to invite them to rejoin that rhythm of gathering for worship and time at home with friends and family. Part of following Jesus is noticing. Noticing who's not here. Part of following Jesus is caring for and praying for the sick. We try to equip the saints for the work of ministry by by printing a prayer list so that people can pray for one another and encourage one another, care for one another. Part of following Jesus involves experiencing Jesus' healing touch in our lives. Experiencing Jesus reaching out to touch us, to heal us. And we get that experience today in Holy Communion. 
as we receive the gift, the body of Christ. As Jesus touches us in the bread and in the wine, the healing power of that gift of life and following Jesus involves leaving this gathering and scattering so that we can serve others in the hundreds of places that God sends us throughout the week. As we look at this little scene from Mark's gospel, I hope that you will see, indeed, this is us. We're healed and helping. Healed and forgiven. And sent out to be servants. Bringing that care and healing that forgiveness out into the world. Won't you pray with me? God, as we gather on this chilly morning, we give you thanks for, for your love, for your call in our lives, for your healing touch. And God, we pray that indeed you would, you would heal each of us those many ways that we are hurting and that you would strengthen us and, and raise us up to new life so that filled with your love we can go out and serve and make a difference in the lives of others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.